Hello, everybody. We are here at Long Island University in Long Island, New York, and we are here for the Alternative Education Resource Organization Conference, or ARO for short. ARO is a worldwide organization that helps to bring together people from all over the world that are either interested in or work with uh, educational alternatives, ranging from um, Montessori and Waldorf to unschooling, homeschooling, and free schooling. Uh, and Arrow really brings together everybody uh, who's interested or, again, who works with uh, alternatives under one umbrella. Uh, so today, uh, my name is Peter Berg, and I am an Arrow representative. And today I have the distinct pleasure of being with two students uh, from the South Jersey Sudbury School uh, in South Jersey here in the United States. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves, and then we're going to uh, get on to a few questions in our podcast. Uh, hello. So uh, my name is Neil Karkonis, and as was just said, uh, I attend South Jersey Sudbury School. And um, uh, so, yeah, we originally came here because we were invited to give a workshop on trust. Uh, I was along here with um, Dylan. So. Yeah, hello. My name is Dylan Marcus. I also go to the South Jersey Sudbury School with Neil um, and we just got invited to have a workshop here, so we decided to come, and it's been really awesome. Well, again, thank you both so much for being here and uh, presenting your workshop and being willing to uh, talk a few minutes uh, on our podcast here. Uh, so if you can tell me a little bit about what is a Sudbury School? I mean, you know, kind of what does that mean? And if someone's interested in being part of a Sudbury School, um, you know, what would they look for? So first, you know, kind of what is a Sudbury School? What is it? What does it kind of mean to you? So if you want to start us off, Neil, that would be great. So the basic concept of a Sudbury School involves, um, well, uh, three, I guess what I would say, three main premises. The first one is the power goes to the majority. And it really, quite literally, the power to the people. No matter what the majority wants, it will happen because uh, that is, um, that is, they are the legal governing body of the school. If the majority uh, wanted to spend all the school money on candy or something like that, we would spend all the school money on candy because they have the legal authority to do that. We, all of, every every cent that the staff members are paid, we know their salaries, we approve them. Uh, and that's done through the school meeting, which is the second core concept of a Sudbury school where basically it's not required, but uh, students go to the school meeting, they bring up the issues that they want to talk about, and they're voted upon in a standard democratic manner where a simple majority um, is what you know rules. And the third principle is the judicial committee, which is the process of um, determining uh, if a student broke a rule, which are all set in place by school meeting. And so if uh, I can write up a student and they will be forced, they will have to, they will have to go to the judicial committee and then, which is also run by their peers, the students. So it's really a peer to peer process. So it won't be some superior person telling them you must not do this. Why? Just because you can't. It's literally the rules that you made and the peers that you were beside when you were making the rules telling you, Hey, you really shouldn't break these rules. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, so I think Neil gave the basic definition of what a Sudbury school is. And, I mean, of course I agree with him because that's what it is. Um, but I do think it's, uh, other than that, it's a genuinely free place to learn and follow your interests. Um, and I think what really makes a Sudbury school so great is that 
every single Sudbury school and every single person at a Sudbury school has a completely different experience. No one has the same experience because everyone makes their individual choices, just like life. No one has the exact same life. And unlike public school where you have the same curriculum as someone else and you're learning the same things, I think the opposite of that is what makes Sudbury so great, is like to each their own. Well, that sounds amazing. Thank you both for that uh, wonderful description. So can you tell us a little bit about how uh, how you came to find the Sudbury School and what attracted you to it? So why don't we start this time with Dylan? All right, yeah, so uh, I think my story is slightly unlike a lot of other people's because I was the one that wanted I mean, maybe considering it's Sudbury, and I know actually a few people that have done this, I was the one that wanted to go out and find the school because... I'd been in public school for seven years, so up until sixth grade, halfway through sixth grade. Uh, I'd always kind of had anxiety, and I still deal a lot with anxiety, but it really got bad then. I really was having, uh, like mid-sixth grade, I was having at least a panic, a-, a panic attack a week, which you just can't live like that. So, uh, and my, my dad had been very into homeschooling and untraditional schooling and he always wanted to try but my parents it was never I don't blame this is not me blaming them they just had never had the right time um because my mom really wanted to start working and we we finally all my brothers were finally going to school and they worked from home so she was very happy to finally have the house to herself and it was not a bother but it was like having another person home and especially like a, a child not like children need more help but in some ways they definitely do Um, so she wasn't against it, but she saw how bad I was doing. She was like, well, obviously he just can't be at school. And I knew that too. I could not be at school. That was just the last thing. So for a while we did, um, homebound tutoring, which is people who maybe have like a broken leg or something, or somehow can't make it into school and the public school, you're still in the public school system. We'll send you tutors for free and, um, you just you still follow the curriculum, and the teachers are still giving the tutors all the work that you're supposed to be doing. And I did that for maybe six months, but that still got kind of boring because it's still public school. Um, so we stopped doing that completely, and I was out of the school system, and we just started to, uh, I guess, homeschool slash unschool, but we didn't have the language to say unschool. But it wasn't really unschooling because I still had the schedule, and even, I made up my whole curriculum, but I was still very much in the mindset of a public school that I had to be learning this and I had to be doing that. Even if I didn't want to, it was like, well, you just have to learn. And we didn't really have the concept of unschooling. And I forget where we really heard of unschooling. It might have been after I found Sudbury, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but I did enjoy that for a while. It just it got a little old not having any friends <laughs> that were my age because I didn't I didn't really keep any from middle school, and that was more of my choice, not so much like I, I didn't have any friends already or they didn't they stopped talking to me. Um, so I wanted to try to find people my age and have a place to go because I was home 80, 90% of the week or of the time of just my life, and that wasn't all that much fun either. So after that, I decided to look for alternative education methods, and I looked up a website it was just it was an article that said seven schools for people who don't want to do their homework or something like that uh and one of them they had like Montessori and you know all the all the regular ones uh, but i didn't I wasn't very much into alternative education then because I didn't know anything about it uh so 
I saw Sudbury as one of the options, and just as a joke, like really just as a joke, me and my dad looked up South Jersey Sudbury School because he also thought it was interesting. And um, it was just completely random that that year, like that, it was the summer. It was, a, it was maybe like July, I looked it up. It was like this year opening up South Jersey Sudbury School in Camp Akinikin, Medford, which is like uh, my parents do this thing every year called Kids for Camp. Uh, where people from Camden, which is like like uh, a lower class area around us, um, they send kids from a school there to go to Camp Akinikin as a field trip. They raise money, and you know it's very nice. And it's at Camp Akinikin, so it's like wow, this is a place we've worked with. We know all the people there. We know the campgrounds. Like this is so awesome. So um, we went to the we went to one of the open houses. Well, it wasn't an open house because we didn't have the location yet, but it was at a public library. And we just sounded so interesting, and we, that's where we met Brian and Paige. Paige left, but Brian still works there. He's the he's one of the staff members. Um, so it was just crazy. I just started to go after that, and I've been doing that ever since. And I really, I mean, I really love it. I've been going there for four years, um, and all my brothers they started to go to because, of course, they do. Uh, so I'll give it to Neil now. So I when I was really young. My mom, she never really wanted to send me to public school. She had made up her mind uh, before I was born. So I was actually homeschooled at first. And I was, even with the freedom that I was given with homeschooling, I was still very resistant to it because I did not like the structure at all. Like, uh, the way she describes it was that I was always asking questions and, you know, inquisitive and all that. But after she started forcing the homeschooling on me, and just kept doing it over and over again. I, I was very resistant to it, but then I slowly started stopping asking the questions, stopping all of that. Basically, what you hear a lot, the horror stories of like public school muffling, squishing down the kids and molding them into these, like, you know, uh, average everyday workers. And it just, so yeah, my mom did, she did not like that. So she, but she was still thinking, well, you know, what am I gonna do? Because this is, this is the way it works, right? I have to teach my children these exact things, and but I absolutely hated it. So she was, she discovered this thing called unschooling. So, uh, which is, um, if whoever's not familiar with it, it's basically just, it's 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 homeschooling to the sense where it's at home, but the kids do literally whatever they want. And there's a bunch of interesting principles and uh, behind it about how learning works. But basically, we went to this place and we went to, I think Dallas, Texas, for the Rethinking Everything conference. And they really were, my parents really had their, uh, you know, eyes opened, uh, so to speak. Like, oh, wow, this is an actual thing. They don't have to go to school and we don't have to sit them down and force them to learn all this stuff. But they're still going to learn and they'll still have their inquisitive nature and want to learn. And so they went there and slowly they, they were starting to implement different things like taking away the mandatory lessons constantly. And then they tried to just like lift all the the barriers and that was just very freeing to me. And I, I, I still remember just how free I felt at that time. But over the years and years of being unschooled, I, I mean, I didn't have any problem. A lot of people think homeschoolers and schoolers, you know, they have social problems. I don't know, I can't speak for everyone. I did not, uh, mainly because there were co-ops, like there are unschooling and homeschooling co-ops that I went to and just socializing with the kids in the neighborhood. I never had a problem with that specifically. Um, well, but the thing was, is that during the day, I would just get kind of, bo I would just get bored. 
and I didn't really have anything to do with doing my own thing. I did like that, but it kind of got old after just a little bit of just constantly doing it day after day and just not really knowing what to do. There weren't really, I mean, there's always the internet, but there wasn't anything I guess I could find that's super new. And that's when my mom discovered uh, Sudbury schools in general. And I was just, wow, this looks awesome. You get to choose what you want to do and this and this and that. And I was really interested in that. My mom was actually more skeptical, not because of how she thought that I would learn, because she, she, was, she was even saying to me, I remember this, you know, you'll have to get up every morning and you'll have to go to school. And it's, I was thinking, that's the exact opposite of what, like, parents say, like, and she's, like, concerned that I won't be able to do that. Um, but I was really interested in it, and I saw the same thing that Dylan saw, that there was a Sudbury school opening up really close to us. And so I went to one of the, um, you know, meeting areas before the school even opened. Uh, I talked to some of the people involved there. I talked to Brian, our staff member. Uh, I talked to Paige, who, uh, like I said, like Dylan said, was is uh, she's no longer there, but she, um, but she was, you know, uh, there when it started. And, um, well, and... Uh, so I was really excited, and I was there the the first day the school started, uh, close to when summer starts back when summer starts when summer break ends and start and school starts back up again. It'll be our fourth year anniversary. Um, so yeah, I was there almost four years ago when it started, and been there ever since. And don't like don't like the idea of looking back. Awesome, uh, thank you for that um, wonderful description. And um, so you, you both mentioned the democratic process and how um, really everybody has an equal say and the majority has kind of the, um, the sway or the influence. Um, you know, my experience with the democratic process, and I think when you first start to talk to people who are not familiar with, uh, well, what does that really mean and what does that look like? Um, and I think one thing that I've found is uh, some folks immediately feel like, well, I don't have a voice any longer. If everybody else has a voice, well, what happens to mine? So can you speak a little bit about that? And if you've had experience uh, with that, like if you run into other people, when you talk about the process, if they're like, well, wait, that, that means I have, I don't have say anymore, right? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Um, can you just elaborate a little bit? Yeah, so, so in my own experience in the democratic process, um, I know that, that when I go out and talk about it, and this mostly happens with adults. Adults will say, well, wait a minute. Um, I don't have a voice anymore. And it's like, oh, the voice is all with the kids, yeah. right? It's all with the youth. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like? Um, so let's start with Neil. All right. So, yeah, this is... Um that is definitely um, that ha does that is brought up a lot, and it's because you know it's obviously, especially coming from directly from a public school, which a lot of the kids that do that go to Sudbury, it's it's very, I mean, it's hard to say things like you know, uh, from total control to literally no control, and or very little at least, and it's just it's very hard for the parents, obviously less so for the students, but the students all also do have a problem. They say you should, you need to be at a Sudbury school for one month every year that you're at a public school to, to, to truly realize that your time is your own. And so uh, a lot of times 
when I when I talk to parents that have an they don't uh, they don't come out and write and say I have an issue with letting go of control because that's not something that necessarily people want to say right because control sounds like an inherently bad thing which in most cases it kind of is just controlling people um but it really comes down to the fact that you need to I mean our workshop that we did here was on trust and it really comes down to trust you need to trust the school the system our school um, with the way it works and the system is the kids you need to trust the kids and you need to trust most of all your child and you can't give a lot of people try to put the kid in the school and then say all right I now expect instant results I now expect my kid to be so much better at this 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 and this and if not then it's not working I'm going to pull them out that's it's so unsudbarian that it's 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 gonna you can't put a kid in a Sudbury school and then force them to learn in a Sudbury school because that's not what a Sudbury school is. You, in, the, in giving all the power to the students, um, it, it derives a lot of the philosophy from, you know, also unschooling, where it's the kids who know how to use their time and all that, and use their time and, know, and, tr and learn. Um, but it, it comes at another, another level when, you, when all the power of the school is in the majority vote. But I would look at it the other way around. The kids literally have to learn how to manage all the aspects of the school. If we're getting bad PR, Scooping has the final say. If we're in financial issues, Scooping has the final say. If we can't afford, if we need, if we want to give the staff a raise, or we don't want to give them a raise, uh, or we want to fire a staff member or hire a staff member, Scooping has the final say. Um, at the end, at the beginning of every school year, or at the end of, I think it's at the end of every school year, we have to vote to rehire our staff members. And if we say no, they will not be back that next year because school meeting has the final say. And it really comes down to the fact that and when you see the Sudbury schools function, people go, oh, wow, the Sudbury school is so cool. But you have to think about this. The kids are running the Sudbury school because, I mean, let's be clear here. Do you think the kids outnumber the staff or the staff outnumber the kids? The kids outnumber the staff. So the biggest I'm not the staff have a vote, but it's not as big as any of the other kids. So. I mean, it comes to a point where you have to understand the schools are functioning. The kids are not stupid. They're not spending all the school budget money on candy. It's going somewhere. They have, a, they have PR. They have, uh, they have solid finances. And they're able to pay their employees. Um, this, is some, this is a business, and it is literally run by children. We have, I, don't, I can't speak for every subway school, but uh, every subway school, I believe, has a board of directors uh, because legally... Uh, the, child, the body governed by the children can't actually be the final say. But a lot of Sudbury schools um, elect to try to declaw their board, and that's what we do. Our board, of, our, board our trustees um, are literally, the board is, is basically just um, our staff members' roommates, who is just a rubber stamp committee. Basically, they have no power over us. So the school meeting is the legal governing body. And there's a reason these schools are still going on. And there's a reason they have a lot of good PR if you look at them. It's because, it's not just because kids are smart. It's not just because of that. It's because the kids are taught to trust themselves and to become leaders and to, and to be self-sufficient. And that's really what said, the biggest thing about Sudbury is about. It's not the social aspect. It's not, it's not even the time to yourself in my opinion. It's the, or the time is your own. It's the fact that you learn how to manage the school. And why do you think so many Sudbury kids become entrepreneurs or run the, and run their own businesses? It's because of that. So I'll give it to Dylan now. Yeah, um, I do think it's really interesting how 
like the like I've always thought about this too how the kids who are at the Sudbury school in a lot of ways are running their own business even though they might not see it like that and it's just them going to school and it is incredibly natural like I don't even see myself doing that but I guess in some ways I am uh, but to elaborate on the parents having trust over their kids I think it is interesting because most Sudbury schools have something called an assembly where it's like school meeting, only the parents also have a vote, like a governing vote over what happens at the school. And our staff member, Brian, his mentor, Jerry Cork, I think that's her name, right? Yes. Uh, she said not to have an assembly because uh, even in her experience, in a lot of Sudbury schools' experience, um, they just haven't worked, all to, worked out all that well, and they've tried to go against Sudbury, the, the school itself, and tried to make it into like a... A private school, and I believe some of them have really turned into private schools, sadly. Uh, so we just decided not to do that, um, which does give the parents a little less power, which in some ways is good because it's a child-ran school. We don't really want the parents to be running the school. That's not the goal at all. But we do have, we did have parents that were like, well, we should have some amount of say, and I definitely agree with them. Like, The parents are a big part of this, so they should have some input on what happens with the school. Um, yeah, just not really, not too much power. Uh, so we have this thing called parent meetings that we do maybe every couple months where we invite parents to come in with the, with the kids and just talk about issues that they've had and normally people will bring them to school meeting. Yeah, but it's up to the kids whether what you want to do with that information. Like I know one time parents are, so they started to be concerned that we didn't have enough stuff going on, so they all volunteered to give like navigate navigation courses like a bunch of really interesting things that we can use for our advantage but it was really awesome of them um what was i gonna say oh yeah i do think that it's interesting that some parents don't have trust that the kids will be able to control themselves because they're so kids but i think it's really like when, when i hear that i think of our rule book that the rule book was made by the kids and that's the rule book that the kids made to put boundaries on themselves and around other people um, and I think the rule book excel, itself proves to a lot of people that kids do can put boundaries on themselves, and I think it gives parents trust in the kids that they know what's too far and um, just basic logic. But. Well, that sounds incredible. Um, sounds like an incredible process. So you both uh, touched a little bit on, as you've been talking um, for the last uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so, uh, you touched on the idea of self-directed learning or self-directed education. Um, and there are a lot of working definitions of it out there. Um, you know, it, it ranges from everything from, well, you just kind of go with what interests you to... Uh, even some other thoughts about it. So can you both talk a little bit about your experience with uh, self-directed education or self-directed learning? And, you know, did you find it easy to kind of transition to? Uh, was it was it difficult? And kind of, you know, what do you see as sort of the, the positives? And are there any uh, kind of downsides to it as well? So um, don't know which one of you wants to start this time. All right. So Dylan, here you go. Um, yeah, so my own experience with self-directed learning has been quite interesting because I was in public school for so long, and to a certain extent, I was like very molded into being the creature that the public school system wants you to be. Um, 
So it did take quite a while to completely get out of it. And even like right after I got out, it took almost six months to not be afraid of Sundays because thinking Monday I have to go back to school. Like it was really six months before that fear went away of just Sunday. Um, so like after, after that, it really took maybe like the full two and a half years to completely get out of the public school mindset. Maybe, a little, maybe like two years to completely get out of like, oh, I have to do this today. I have to do this tomorrow. Oh, I'm not doing enough math. Let me do math right now. Um, so like my own, but now, now I think I've really got a, a grip of how to have self-directed learning. And even now I just think it's interesting. Like I, I don't really understand how I'm even going to get into college. <laughs> and I know like, I know even if I wanted to, I know I can go out and just start doing that, which I think is so interesting that I have control over everything because it's so interesting as a teenager. You have very little control, especially in public school, over your life and what happens to you in your life and what people say to you. And I think it's so interesting in a public, in a, I mean, in a Sudbury environment that you have complete control over what happens. And I think that's such an empowering thing for someone like coming out of the public school system. Um, but I know for my own, my own journey through finding what self-directed learning is just getting rid of getting rid of the basic idea that learning is math, reading, writing. Uh, language art, or I guess language arts is reading and writing. Uh, history, I just have to get that out of my head, and now learning is just everything. Everything is learning. And I think I've finally understood that, and I think that's what people really have to understand, that, that everything is learning. It, does, it doesn't matter. Like, just everything you do, you are learning constantly and all the time. And I've learned more in the past three years of being at Sudbury than I have in any other, any, any other time in my entire life. And I think my mom can even see that just through, like, podcasts and YouTube. Information is so incredibly widespread, it's impossible to not learn. If you are just a living human being, you cannot stop learning. But, so, I guess I'll just go ahead and give, I guess, uh, my personal experience and then give, I guess, the the more mainstream widespread experience with other people and self-directed learning. So my personal experience has been, I've been introduced to self-directed learning uh, since a very young age. <clears throat> but my uh, original experience was um, when I was first, uh, when I first began uh, unschooling, or my parents first began unschooling us, uh, us, uh, my sister and I, um, I was very, I suppose it took me a while to actually, well, I'm hesitant to say start pursuing learning because you're always learning in life. But I mean start pursuing uh, certain very specific things. I was basically just trying to get acclimated to the fact that my time was my own. And parents need to understand that, that that happens a lot and it's very normal. And you can't just expect your children to instantly become geniuses because they're doing, quote, self-directed learning. They're going to do what they want because they still are children. And they do and... They do like to, you know, go watch TV and do things like that and play video games. Not that that's any, any of that's a bad thing. Um, but uh, obviously I got acclimated to it rather fast because I was very interested in a while for astro with astronomy. I still am. Um, astronomy was a, big, was a big thing in my life. I really liked it, and I still do. Um, but then 
uh, I guess the timeline of it is when I discovered Sudbury, uh, I can, that was around the time when I felt, I feel like I need to be learning things. I don't know why I was feeling that. Um, I, I think it was a side product of the boredom uh, because I was learning a lot. I, 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 I think I was learning quite a bit. I was, I think I was very knowledgeable on several subjects at that time. And ba- for the reasons that Dylan basically just stated. Um, but uh, I, uh, when I went to the Sudbury School, I kind of had, I had this idea that I had to be learning something. Like, yes, technically I can, I can do nothing, but I, f- I shouldn't. I feel like I shouldn't be doing nothing. So I remember very specifically going up to Brian and saying, all right, Brian, I guess uh, I want to learn math now. And he was saying, okay, well, I mean, what specifically do you want to learn? Like, do you want to do this or this? And I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I just should be learning math. And he said, well, I mean, you can do whatever you want. And I said, well, I know I can do whatever I want, but I feel like I should. And he was saying, well, you don't really need to. And then I, I think it was Paige or it, it might have been Brian. One of them said something to me about, why don't you wait a few days and then see if you still want to do that? And I didn't, under, I didn't understand what they meant. Or like, wait and see what you, I didn't understand what they meant. Of course, now I do, because it took a while. It took a, it took me. It took a lot less time um, be, uh, for me to get acclimated to it because other people were already were because other people were coming from public school, and of course I wasn't. So, but I told. I, then I realized that it's okay to not do anything because I'm always going to be doing something, and that's when I truly started learning through like natural experiences, like Brian. Has he majored in economics? So I talked to him a lot about economics. Dylan, Brian, and I will talk about economics, politics, and I got really interested in nutrition too along the way. And that is my uh, biggest thing that I'm pursuing right now. I really like nutritional science. Brian and I will get into long debates about that too, and uh, I think that's a really great part of Sudbury: the debates. And um, it's not like a unfriendly thing. It's just that we know how to express ourselves and to stay composed through JC school meeting and dealing with parents um, and dealing with PR. And we really, it's, and it's very, you're not, it's not uncommon at all to walk into Sudbury and see us debating about something. Um, it could be something as trivial as a new rule. And it's not like our school meeting's inefficient because we can have a school, we can have a school meeting just as easily last three minutes or when we want to make a major policy change we can have long-winded debates and nothing unfriendly. We can have long-winded debates. But other than that, we tend to, we tend to agree on uh, almost everything about the school. And we're able to separate debating and different opinions from ourselves. And I think that's a very awesome skill that you get from Subbury. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, so you've touched on a, uh, so many different things here in the, in the uh, short amount of time we've been speaking. Um, and I want to get to kind of our final question and then give you both a chance to uh, also offer some final thoughts at the end of this. Um, so it seems like what I've been hearing from both of you is that this whole thing is a learning process, right? You're learning all the time, whether it's through school meeting, whether it's through, um, you know, talking to Brian about economics or talking to you know, whoever about whatever kind of, right. And it's really about this exchange of ideas and, and knowledge. And, you know, you, you both touch on that, that really, yeah, you might be debating or dialogue about something, but that's, that's embraced and that's accepted. And it's not an unfriendly kind of thing. It's like, 
this is actually part of the learning process. Um, so that's really incredible. I mean, that's incredibly cool um, to hear, hear your experiences with it. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, all the positives of Sudbury and what does that look like? Are, are there any things that you found challenging or finding challenging now, maybe when you first started or things that you find challenging now? So uh, looks like maybe Dylan has something to jump in. No. All right. So Neil looks like he's ready to go. Uh, take it away. All right. So whenever I ask, get asked this question, what's the biggest challenge with Sudbury? I to the surprise of many, I always, without a doubt, without hesitation, say the parents of the kids. And let me explain why. Parents and parents always, for obvious reasons, have a very hard time trusting their kids and trusting the school. A lot of them have a very hostile, or not hostile, yeah, hostile stance towards the school. Like, or already defensive or offensive. They'll all, they won't be embracing the school like, oh, this is so cool. They'll always be being very critical of it. And to an extent, that's all right, obviously. Being critical is perfectly fine. Um, but we have parents who just, they don't understand the school, but the worst part is they don't want to. And they really, they, they think of us either as a daycare or the other the other school that I tried didn't work, so this one, we'll just try this one. Um, so, and that, that gets old really fast. We've had, we, parents, not not just doubting us, but directly interfering with us is the, it's just not good. We've had parents walk into the school, tear up our judicial committee cases, throw them in the trash. We've had parents just take the judicial committee cases, throw them in the trash. We've had parents steal the judicial committee cases because they just don't understand it and they don't take the time to. I had a parent uh, yell at me for writing up their child. I also had a parent um, uh, take a JC case that I had just written up tell me that I didn't need to write their kid up and threw it in the trash. Um, and the first parent that did that to me, we uh, I was going to talk to her outside the school and say, that's not okay, you can't do that. She pulled her kid out like two days before, like after that incident happened. Um, the other parent that took the JC case that I just written up, threw it in the trash, um, we responded by making a rule saying parents are not allowed on the premises for more than like five minutes. So we're trying to, we're trying to, we tried trying to curb that as much as we can. But, and a lot of, the biggest problem we have, the biggest thing that takes kids away from the school is the parents not understanding the model and just pulling their kids out because they just, they just, they don't know what to do. And they're not trusting their kids to learn. The common question to ask I see is, oh, what did you learn today? It's not what I just learned today. It's about, it's not, it, when, I always find that funny because you have, if you ask a public school kid, sure, they'll give you an answer like, oh, we did this in math class and this in biology. And, you know, but that's the point is ask them a week from then. Yeah, absolutely nothing's going to be retained. Um, however, if you're going to ask a Sudbury kid what they learned today, they may tell you what they did today. They may not tell you specifically they learned, but they tell you what they did. However, if they do come on one day and say, I learned this, guarantee you in a week, they're going to have retain the same information because they want to retain it. They're actually, and it's actually, if the child stores the information, uh, which the, if the child is interested in that information, which they are, if they're going to be listening in the Sudbury school, um, then they'll retain it. So other than that, um, I think challenges are, a lot of them are money related. Uh, just because our tuition, I mean, it's not overly high for private school. It's average. I'm pretty sure, 
but still that's expensive so we do have um but we i mean that's why we have a, a financial aid program and but the thing is we still don't because we we, we don't want to our tuition is not for it's an, we're non-profit we pay our staff members but not we don't but not but it's like it's compensation for their work it's not the people who founded it Brian founded it and he gets paid, but he doesn't get paid because he founded it. He gets paid because he's a staff member. If we'd fired, if we fired Brian and, and hired someone else, he would no longer get paid as the founder. It would just be an official title he had. Um, so it is a nonprofit organization, um, and even with that, we 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 sometimes we barely break even. We don't have that much money, um, and that's a big hurdle because we try to spend a lot of it on PR. Another big problem we have is people lying about us. We had a parent, we, we used to have these things called visiting days. People could come in and visit just for the day. Uh, we stopped that very fast because we learned that people will come in and get the exact wrong idea about the school, not have enough time to process it, uh, go home, and give us hor- write us horrible things on Facebook. We had a, a person who walked in, looked around the school, was perfectly nice to us, perfectly nice to her, perfectly nice to her son. Um, she went home and she wrote on, the fa- on our Facebook that uh, we watched decapitations and pornography, and it was ridiculous. And so Brian responded saying, you saw, none, that has never happened in our school, and you saw nothing, and even if it did, how would you know? Because you saw nothing like that. And she said, oh, I didn't mean that they did do that. I meant that they could do that. Well, you didn't say that. And, I mean, I guess, yes, we could if we passed, if we, if we, because you had a few hours of long school meeting, taking away every single rule that banned us from doing that, sure, we could do it. But honestly, if your kids are going to go through that much trouble to, to do these horrible things, you have a lot more, you have a, a worse problem than the school allowing that. You have the kids that are wanting to look at that, just constantly looking at that kind of stuff in the school. That's a much bigger problem than the school itself. We've had people lie about us, um, Constantly, and people just say weird things. We had someone just say, "Oh, this place is haunted," like on Facebook, and then there's this person who just responded, "Oh yeah, that's true," and said, "Like this, it's an ancient burial ground." It's like what? But people, we had we had a drone video that a student made, and it was basically a PR video posted on Facebook. It was of the lake because we're on a camp, like we said earlier, and it was basically talking about how you can build social skills at Sudbury School, also. And someone commented, "What social skills? Drowning each other." And so, yeah, just weird things like that. Uh, they also said, said spelled social wrong, so that was kind of ironic. They were criticizing her education. Yeah, so I have a few things to elaborate on. I w- I've been writing them down a little bit. Um, I think, like, my biggest issue with, um, with Sud... Well, not, I shouldn't say an issue with Sudbury. That's not how I should be saying it. But uh, being there right now, the biggest issue is um, I think children not trusting themselves enough because they've been told not to trust themselves at all. Like, um, one of my biggest interests that I actually found at Sudbury, which I really don't know what I would have done, like, I, do, I don't know how I could live without it, is a card game called Magic the Gathering, uh, which sounds kind of nerdy, but it really, it's awesome. Um, and I have a lot of friends from there that are relatively young and high school age, and a lot of them don't think they could trust themselves in a Sudbury environment. And I have enough time to explain it to them. And, you know, they kind of understand the basics of it. And they don't really understand it. And even the kids that do go to Sudbury, 
they don't really even understand it. Like, I know the first, one of the first days of this new kid that came to our school, uh, we'll say his name is Josh. I'm making that name up, but I say his real name. Um, so Josh, when he first got there, he asked Brian, oh, well, like, what should I be doing? Because he thought he had to do something. Brian was like, you know, well, Josh, you don't have to do anything. It's really up to you, it's whatever you want to do. And it was really interesting, too, because he had been leaving, like, a big mess on the floor, like orange peels and um, just a bunch of crap everywhere. And we were like, Josh, you have to clean that up. Like, that's really dirty. You have to clean that up. And the young kids, my my brother, who is the same age as Josh, they're 11, and another kid, uh, Dylan, his name is also Dylan, um, who's also 11, said, you guys have to clean this up. And he said, I'm not listening. Why should I listen to you? And then I came over and asked him, too. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. And he was like, oh, do you, he asked me if I, he thought I was running, if I was one of the teachers. He said teachers. And I was like, no, well, and then I explained to him that you have to listen to everyone. Everyone has an equal vote here, and no one has a bigger say. So my say shouldn't mean any more or less than what my brothers have to say. Uh, one second. And I think another thing that was really interesting when I first started going was the first night I found out about the Sudbury School, I was really pissed at myself because I started watching all these videos on it. I was like, wow, why did I not find this before? And it, it just clicked to me instantly, like how genius of an idea this is. And I was really mad that I like had not figured this out before. And it took me this long to find something like this. It was like such a big problem in my life, and in a second, it's fixed. With no questions asked, everything is answered. And it was incredible. And even now it makes me think, like, is there stuff out there that I had problems with that could just be fixed in a second? Um, another thing I would like to say is that a lot of the parents, even though a lot of them are, like, don't really trust their kids, there are a lot that really do trust their kids and understand the Sudbury philosophy. And those are the people that really make up for everyone else because you can tell that they really understand it. And there was this one woman there um, last year who just, you could tell, did not understand it and was just going there because it wasn't public school, which we get quite often, and then they realize what it actually is, and they leave. And so she had left, and she was kind of excited that her daughter didn't want to go anymore. And then I think she said, we were talking to her about this, over the summer it, it just clicked for her too. And she was like, wow, all I want to do is my daughter to want to go back. And then eventually she went back for... Um, you know, she wanted to. She started going back, and she, you could tell she really understood it. So I don't want to hate on the parents too much, because I mean, even my parents, they really love the school. I know they do, and my dad is is, I think, one of Brian's bigger resources as far as getting parents to start going to the school. Um, and I think another thing, like Neil was saying, um, the parents not understanding the JC process, even the kids not understanding the JC process. It, the first couple of times, because especially when the kids are coming from a public school environment. When you hear the judicial committee and you got written up, it's a scary thing the first couple of times. It's like, I don't know what's going on here. What did I do? And, like, I th it only takes one time for them to realize. I mean, a lot of times the first time they're crying, they're bawling their eyes out. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Why did I get written up? And then halfway through, it's like, oh, you just got a warning. And it's like, oh, this isn't really bad at all. And the worst happens is I get a cleanup job, and that's not even that bad. And... I think people are really afraid of it at first, and it does definitely help because it's like, well, I prefer it's an it's more of an annoyance to have an extra cleanup job, and you know if the warnings stack up, then you might get a bigger punishment. Um, so I think 
even though you really have to get the parents to understand it because they even see it as like, oh, my child got written up, what a horrible thing. The kids definitely understand it much more than the parents do. And I know even uh, <laughs> my parents got a, a little bit upset at me because um, it was like the first couple of times my brother was visiting the school, and even I had only been going for a month or two by then, and I was the first person that wrote him up <laughs> because he like threw a ball at me or something, and my parents were like, why did you write him up? Like it's, and I was like, Mom, it's really not that bad of a thing. And Andrew was, he was like scared to go back now because he got written up. Um, but he realizes now that it's really, it's no issue at all to be written up. Um, but I think that's one of the obstacles for new kids is that they definitely get, they really get afraid of the judicial committee because they see it almost as an equal to go in the principal's office, which it's not in any sense of the word. Um, but I think overall the kids really have an amazing experience at the Sudbury School, and it, it helps them a lot with behavioral issues and everything. Again, thank you both so much for that. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. I wish we had more time. I can talk to both of you for hours and hours and hours about this. Um, I do really appreciate you coming and sharing your thoughts on your experience with uh, your Sudbury School. Uh, so for folks that are listening out there, um, Sudbury is one of the many uh, alternatives to kind of the conventional uh, educational system. And, you know, at Arrow, we're not here about um, to, as we say, diss the uh, conventional system, but it's more about looking at um, multiple different options and multiple different ways of doing things uh, so everybody can find their niche and find their place of joy and happiness and what really lights them up. Um, so again, I just want to thank you both. I want Neil and Dylan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if people want to find out more about the South Jersey Sudbury School, uh, do you have a website that they can go to? Um, yeah, for sure. Our website is southjerseysudburyschool.org. Um, you can find all our information, you can find Brian's information, plenty of pictures of the school. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, which is South Jersey Sudbury School. Uh, but also, I just wanted to thank you, Peter, for having us on. It was really awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank you for having us. This has definitely been great. It's all, it's always nice to, you know, share the experience we've had at the school. But um, yeah, like Dylan said, uh, SouthJerseySudburySchool.org. We have a YouTube. You, um, everything that all the other links are there too. YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and you can. There's a contact information. You can get in contact with Brian, and you can. He, he should be quick in responding to an email on the contact forum of our website. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. And yeah, and uh, any questions you have, you can direct it towards him. All right, thank you. Again, thank you both so much. Um, so again, we are here at the Arrow Conference uh, at Long Island University in Long Island, New York. Um, and we bring youth and adults together from all over the world to really get together and share our knowledge and our experiences of different different ways of learning and what really lights people up and uh, what really works for them. You can find more out more about Arrow uh, again on the web and it's www.educationrevolution.org. Thank you all for listening.